bulletins that um, it actually says how to walk in blessing. I gave you an insert because I felt like sometimes there are these things that are so uh, important that if we just leave it to what we hear and then go and do something with, that, that nothing, you won't remember it. And there's certain things like this that to me, everybody needs to know how to walk in blessing. Amen. So last week we started by reading it. So I'm just going to read through it one more time. And uh, then we're going to go fill in your blanks. So it'll, we'll go rather quick this morning. Ready? Psalm 32 verse uh, 1. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record for the lo- record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all of my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all you who obey him. Shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. Wow, there's so much in this one. One of the things I just found out, uh, my nephew Kevin was down. Um, many of you had met Kev- Kevin. He came down for a couple of days this week. And he showed me his, uh, his really way cool tennis shoes that he paid $130 for. How many of you pay more than... No, don't tell me. 130 some odd bucks for tennis shoes. But you know what they had right on the top, the, t- the tongue of it? It said Psalm 32. And I was like, dude, I was going to preach that last week. He's like, yeah, right. I was like, yeah, it really was. And then I said, but I'm preaching it this week. So Psalm 32, and guess what verse? It was verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Or the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. So I just want to encourage you, those of you who knew Kevin, He was a little bit of a rescue project when we brought him up. Kevin, if you're listening to this on uh, the message. But uh, he was a little bit of a, he was in a hurting place as a teenager and rebellious and kind of wanting to do his own thing and not wanting anybody to tell him. Does that sound familiar? I think we were all there at one point, weren't we? And so what happened is, is that um, he's, I love the fact that he's just stayed. He's a fighter. He's, he's feisty. He, you know, I almost decked him. I just wanted to tell you, as a pastor, I almost decked him. Dad, do you ever feel like that? You ever feel like decking somebody, like your kids? Don't raise your hands. We don't want to know that. You know, come on. It's, you know why we would feel like that? Because we love them so much. Isn't that the issue? So, so what happens is, I love the fact when he showed me those shoes, I wanted to get him, give him 50 bucks toward his next pair. So I just want to encourage you in that case that 
He's, he's wanting to be led along the best pathway for his life. He wants God to advise him and watch over him. Is that you? You'd kind of like to stop doing life in your own terms because sometimes the best thing that we put together just maybe didn't come out all so good. See what I mean? So will we be kind of like, thanks to Burdett, he put this thing together for us. Isn't this cool? How many of you have been on horses before? Huh? You ever ride? I remember when I was in high school, I got on one, but I was always afraid of them, you know, like the teeth. When you see their set of dentures, it's pretty major. But I was always as scared of them that way because I, I held out an apple one time and it might not have eaten for all week or something, but it just like, so here's the thing, but it has on here intrinsically, they love to not have a bit or a bridle on them. They love to be able to not be saddled. I mean, they were born without all that. So were you. But in the process of taming, that's what it takes to tame a horse, to get them to do what we want to do. See what I mean? Well, in this scripture here in Psalm 32, that's the spirit of his talking about God says, hey, I believe in you enough to let you roam free. I'm not trying to saddle you up. I'm not going to put a bit in your mouth and lead you around like that. That's not what I want. That makes you a slave. Instead, I set you free. But here's the deal. I want you to follow me even though I don't have a bit and a bridle on you, see? Let me read you this in another version. It's the New American, which is what I normally preach out of. The other one is called New Living Translation. How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. See why we read different versions? Because sometimes you might get stuck on one that doesn't actually help you to understand anything. So in this case, I chose a new living because I think that it helps everybody else to get the message in an easier way. Now, that's not creating what we call doctrines and hard, fast rules for life. It's just helping me to understand why should I bother reading the Bible? That's why is because you're going to find this incredible lesson in there. I want you to listen to something. Some of you might, I just want to tell you, I believe that greater is he who is in us than he was in the world. Some of you, I have offended people before by playing secular songs in church. I just want to, I, I've got a sermon illustration. I can't do it without having that song. And, and it's not a dishonoring song. It's one that shows a great deception in the world. Okay, how many of you know a guy named Elton John? Yeah, I was raised on his music, by the way. I'm still praying for Elton John to get saved. Okay, this is the song. It's called Bless. The words will be up on the wall. He's gay, and he has a husband now, according to the rules of the world. He has a child now, but this was written when he didn't have one.
He makes a declaration that uh, his child will be blessed. You can go and bring up the house lights, too, if you would. Thank you for forgetting that. Well, in the bulletin, it says that I just asked one question. I, it's a carryover from last week because I didn't preach last week on this. We did communion. So here it is. It says, what does a blessed life look like? What does a blessed life look like? What does a blessing look like? See, the world has their idea on what a blessing is. You hear? So here's a guy who believes certain things. But by the way, this child didn't come because two men are married and had a child. We understand that, don't we? It's one of the fundamental proofs of what God said in his word that he created a male and female. To be married, then conceive and have a child. Just saying. Just saying. Someday he'll meet his birth mother. And then he'll understand that this didn't happen because of two guys or two gals getting together. This happened because there's a supernatural act that God says, I'll prove myself. I'll prove myself. So what does a blessing look like? You know, I only have two children for a reason because I was number nine of ten and grew up poor. And what I determined early on is that I didn't want to be poor and I didn't want my children to go without. I wanted them to be blessed. It's something that tapped into me with this song is that I wanted my family to be blessed. So, so much as it depends on me, that's what's going to happen. And so I set out and at an early age, like 21 years old, I think I was, when I decided we'd had enough kids, period. End of story, not talking about it, didn't ask a pastor or priest or anybody else. I just said, that's it. We got a girl, got a boy. I'm happy. See? So what happened is I didn't say, okay, God, 
you tell me how many children were nobody was leading me in my life in those days so what i did is i worked hard so i could bless my kids in the midst of that there were some things that i were doing i was doing to keep my promise i promise you that and so some of that we were talking to kids in in school about character education we talked about a pinky promise Still make pinky promises, anybody? It used to be the handshake, right? And so we were talking about three things to, about honesty, uh, not lying, not cheating, and not stealing. Guess what? Everybody, every, every kid in second grade and third grade and sixth grade, they're all guilty of those three things. Just so you know, parents. And I told him, I don't know if any parents are in here from those kids, but I'm just telling you, they were all honest about it. And... Um, I just thought it was rather interesting. Promises. I'll make promises. And guess what I did to try to fulfill those promises? I lied, I cheated, and I stole. What is that? So in the end, I fulfilled the promise by doing something that was wrong. Thank you, Jesus, that he came along and he showed me my heart. He showed me my, how I was living my life, which is according to Psalm 32, verse 1. Ready on your bulletin there? Blessed are the forgiven. That's the first thing that, that it says in Psalm 32. So you want to walk in a blessed life, then blessed are the forgiven. There comes a time where we stop defending ourselves or justifying ourselves or talking about how good we are and, and all of our successes and what we did and recognize that we need forgiveness. Bible says that everybody sinned. Guess what? We all mostly know that. Don't, you don't need anybody poking you in the eye for that, right? You all know that you got stuff in your lives that, that is trash that you shouldn't do. So, hey, I'm not here to tell you that. I'm just telling you, according to the word of God that says for, to be walking in blessing is a matter of verse 1 says, What joy, how blessed are those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. So from the first verse, it tells us how to walk in blessing isn't a matter of what we can buy because we've sold enough albums over our life or because we're wealthy or because we got some sort of Money's from gas companies buying our, our, our acreage, our, our rights. You see that? That's happening a lot around here nowadays. And you might think you're wealthy, but, and you might think you're blessed because of it. But I'm going to tell you you're blessed because you do certain things to honor God. And you'll walk in that blessing. And that's what we're going to see right here. You know, Deuteronomy says, it's uh, chapter 11, 26, 28. Don't need to turn there. I'll just read it for you. See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, which I am commanding you today, and the curse, if you do not listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way which I, command, I am commanding you today by following other gods which you have not known. I love that. What do you mean you have not known? You're following somebody you don't know. Yes. Well, you know them. You know them because you've been palling around with them. But do you really understand how bad this is for you? See, sometimes when the Bible says that bad company corrupts good principles or good character, that's exactly what it means. You may be deceived and duped and think that life is hunky-dory the way you're living it, but in the end, it always ends up in the dumpster. It always ends up that this is a garbage, garbage life. So he says, if you'll listen to the commandments of the Lord your God and you'll do those, then you're blessed. Well, that's what, how to walk in a blessed life. The first thing is recognize you need forgiveness and, and blessed are the forgiven. The next one, verse, uh, verse 2, comes right out of verse 2. Blessed are those passed over. Your blank is the innocent 
and the honest. Do you see, no matter how guilty you are, what Jesus Christ has done on the cross is he's purchased your innocence. It's like, it's like the, the officer stops you. Matter of fact, somebody yesterday, I'm going uh, about 63, coming down State Road 7. There was somebody who passed me in the left-hand lane, and I saw the police officer up on the right, but they happened to be passing that big old boat of mine. Um, they happened to be passing at the time where I blocked the view. They couldn't see the, the, the state trooper sitting up there. And they flew by me about five or seven miles faster. And guess what? As Arlene and I passed, we saw the headlights come on on the police car. And I was like, Lord, I know this is wrong, but I hope he got him. (laughs) Sorry if that was you yesterday on State Road 7. Um, But so, of course, you know, I eased down to 60 miles per hour and 59. And uh, sure enough, got up behind him. I was waiting for him to change lanes, so I was praying. Come change lanes, come on. Help him change lanes, Lord. He was behind me, so change lanes, and then the lights come on. Wow. I wasn't really innocent at all. I was speeding, too. I was just going six miles per hour over. That's really not too bad, is it? Everybody say, no, it's not really that bad, right? But guess what? I, I, was, I was as guilty and deserving of that ticket as the next guy. But I love that. That in in verse 2 there, it says it this way. It says, how blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not, does not impute iniquity. Or what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. My reason for telling you that narrative today is just to be, try to be honest. I should have gotten a ticket, but I didn't. And that's the way grace works. I don't get things that I should have all the years that I was drunk and I'd go out and drinking and party. And I was kind of, you know, I mean, I was in sales. And so part of that's necessary. That's what I said. I can't remember driving home, but you know what? I never had one. What do they call them now? DUI or DWI or whatever it was. I never got any of that and never lost. If I would have done that, I was on the road in sales. I would have lost my, my career would have been in the, in the tank. And that didn't happen. I had this grace that ends up showing me at some point how good God is. When I didn't deserve it, God was watching after me. Blessed are those who passed over, the innocent and the honest. Next one, number three, or verse three. Um, I love this because today what I was quick to do um, is quick to confess. It says, blessed is the blabbermouth. Were you ever called a blabbermouth? What's a blabbermouth? <laughs> I saw somebody just rib their neighbor then. <laughs> Their sister, maybe. A blabbermouth. What is a blabbermouth? Do you remember? What's a blabbermouth? Never stops talking. Or what I like, not just that, but they'll tell everything. They'll tell all the details. Can't keep a secret. That's a blabbermouth. Loose lips sink ships kind of thing. Well, blabbermouth is somebody you can't trust with information, especially. See? So here's the deal. Quick to confess to me, blessed is the is the blabbermouth. Look at it in verse 3 there. It says, When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. See, when I refused to confess my sin. Did anybody ever play that thing where you, you do, do the knuckles, where you overpower, you know, you, and whoever bends or breaks the other person's fingers? So the, the thing is to be quick to say, I'm sorry, okay, I give, uncle, or whatever it is. You're, you're awesome. Verse 4. 
Blessed are those, what, under his yoke. That's verse 4 in the, in the passage. Do you see what I'm wanting you to get out of it? Isn't that this is so profound? It's that when you read the word of God, you can actually come up with specific things that, that will tell you, not just read it, but read it to say, what is this? How does this apply to me? Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. So what do, you, what do you get then in the way to be blessed are those who are under his yoke. The Bible says that whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. See, he puts his hand on you to know that because you'll take care of that horse. And if you pull on him, you tug on him because he's going somewhere or doing something that you don't want him to do, you're letting him know, uh-uh, that's not okay. And hey, you're well fed and cared for and we make sure that you, you got all your shots and stuff that whatever horses need, we give to you. Boy, I love the idea that, that with God, we have this yoke that he actually puts some boundaries around us, some limitations. People don't like those. You know that? Do you know people don't like to get sick because you think you should be blessed and you shouldn't have to worry about sickness, disease, disorder, or affliction? But do you know what God says? He uses all those things to show us that in the end, it's his power, not our own. We can't save ourselves. We can't fix ourselves. That's why we need him. And yet humanity has been on this this pursuit from the beginning of trying to, to handle it without him. So blessed are those under his yoke. Blessed are those who God puts his hand on and just says, no, no, we're going we're gonna to do something different now. Anybody need that? I think we do. How about number five or verse five? Blessed are the transparent. Blessed are the transparent. What verse five says, finally, finally. Guess what that means? Okay, are you sick and tired of being sick and tired of doing it your own way and getting the same stinking results? Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. Blessed are the transparent. What you get there is we said the reason so the kids cheated. We said, do you cheat? At, at, how many cheat? Only a few raise their hands about cheating. And then we said, how many of you cheat on video games? Guess what happened? All the hands went up. So they, they don't cheat on tests or quizzes, not with teacher watching. But when we said, how many of you cheat on video games? And then we said, well, is that Okay to cheat on video games? Yeah, what was the answer was, well, we're not really hurting anyone. It's just playing against ourselves or against a computer. And we just introduced this thought that we say at Character Counts, we have one phrase. We just repeat every time we're in there at least twice, maybe three times. All year long we've been doing this since September. The right thing is always the right thing. Can you say that with me? The right thing is always the right thing. The wrong thing is never the right thing. Do you get it? The wrong thing is always the wrong thing. The right thing is always the right thing. So when it comes down to cheating on video games, is that right or wrong? It's wrong. When you buy cheat codes, it's telling you they're cheat codes. It ought to tell us it's wrong. See what I'm saying? But what happens is in early age, we begin to justify certain things. Oh, it's not going to hurt anybody. So we talked about cheating on a test, for example. See? Cheating on a test. So we actually had one little girl, bless her heart, who confessed that she cheated on a test earlier that day. 
in front of the teacher. We weren't really going for that, but you know what we asked for is leniency, and we asked for favor for that little girl who was <laughs> just caught up in the moment. I cheated on a test earlier this morning. We weren't going for that. But cheating. Hey, how about that? Is it certain things happen that's okay? Here's what I want you to know is it's better just to be transparent because when you're transparent, you stop trying to justify, stop trying to cover things. You don't have to worry about the story you told. You don't have to worry who knows and who doesn't. You know, it's just a matter of when the elders said, skeletons in my closet. You've heard me say it before. When I interviewed to come here, they said, how, you know, do you have any skeletons in the closet? Do you know what that means? What kind of past do you have? And I said, which closet? See, the deal is, you know, it's not just one closet. I've got enough skeletons that there's more closets than one. Yeah, man, it's a walk-in closet. (laughs) Well, look at verse 6 real quick. We're getting down to the end. You know we are because we're only going through 11. So verse 6 says, let everyone pray to him. Let all the godly pray to you while there's still time that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment, that they might not... So blessed are the diligent. Do you know what that means? It's do your work while it's still called day. That's what the Bible says. Do it while it's still called day because there comes a time when no one will be able to redeem the day, redeem the time. You won't accomplish it. It's going to be the end of it all. It'll be enough. When God declares enough, that's it. So guess what? Be diligent. And guess what? Our lives are filled with things that cause us to lose time. Do you notice that? That we don't gain time. It just was like, boom, gone. How many have noticed that? Matt, those years of college went by just like this, didn't they? As grueling as it was sometimes, it still, like it evaporated. See? Mom and you're like, thank God for that. Because those dues, those, the, the cost, right? So, Look at verse 7. Blessed are the diligent. You know this. At the end of the day, I love Vince Lombardi. He gives this quote, the the, uh, legendary coach of the Green Bay Packers, when he says, um, you know, the real real task is that at the end of the day, when you've exhausted yourself on the field of battle, see, you haven't held out for anything else victorious. See, some of us, we're we're wasting time. Some of us, we're, we're... it's a matter of we're not even given diligence to, to certain things. We don't have very, we have never set new goals. We're still living according to just life just happening. Be honest, how many of you feel like life just, you're just on this freeway and you're being carried along like a bug stuck to a windshield? Do you know what I'm saying? You're not in charge of your life and it seems like you're just, it, it's just taking you and, and you're captive to that stuff. Well, get off that gravy train. It's not, it's not so good for you. Blessed are the diligent. Begin to make your plans and say, God, will you, bl- will you direct my steps? Psalm 32, buy yourselves a $130 pair of tennis shoes if that's what you need. God, I don't want to try to run my life anymore. I want you to lead me. So look at this. How are you going to get all this? I love in verse 7 now. Watch what it says. Verse 7 says, for you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. You are my hiding place. How to walk in a blessed life? Blessed are those who abide in him. Abide in him. In John chapter uh, 15, it is specifically like verse 4 following. 
It talks about, uh, I am the vine and you are the branches. And it talks about those who abide in him have to be connected. Now, just think about the plant, if you will. Uh, any kind of thing that, that, that gets its resource, it's got to be tied into the root to be able to prosper. So when he says, I'm the vine and you are the branches, it's that connection which helps us to bear fruit. Now, that's just a natural thing. Do you see what I'm saying? It's that connection which helps us to bear fruit. So blessed are those who abide in him. By the way, we abide in him because we're redeemed. He's purchased us. We're the fruit of his garden. Verse 8 says, blessed are those under his scrutiny and direction. Those are the two blanks, under his scrutiny and direction. He says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. His eye upon you. You ever hear that? I'm watching you. I'm watching you. Eye in the sky over the cash registers. I got you. I'm watching over you. That's what he says. He says he's watching over his word to perform it. In other words, here's the deal. God's not blind to the things that we, we think we're getting away with either. But the fact that he lets us live beyond the moment when we sin or when we do something wrong, that's the amazing part of God's grace is we somehow apparently get through it. But his eye is still upon me. At the end of the day, you know, and he knows what you've tried to get away with. Blessed are those under his scrutiny and direction. I much rather know that he cares about me enough to put, put a bridle on me, to put a bit in my mouth to direct me. He gives me his Holy Spirit to convict me so that I don't just run rampant doing whatever I want to do. Verse 9. Verse 9 says, Do not be as a horse or a mule which have no understanding whose trappings include bit and bridle to hold them in check. Otherwise, they will not come near to you. So verse 9 says, Blessed are the sensible and the disciplined. Blessed are the sensible and the disciplined. See, it makes good sense to say, I'm going to walk after God. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord now. We're not serving ourselves. We're going to serve His purposes. We're going to recognize we're here for, for His glory, for His purpose. Blessed are the sensible and the disciplined. In verse 10 then, getting down there, I'm going to give you another scripture here shortly, but I'm going to, let's read verse 10. It says this, having done all these things, see the progressive nature, many are the sorrows of the wicked or many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. Unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. You know what unfailing love looks like? It's, it's really at peace. It's called content. That's the word. Blessed are the content. First Timothy 6, it's up on the wall, I think, verse 6 through 8. It says, um, true godliness with contentment in itself is great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. I'm going through my closet again. This time I'm getting rid of size 42 clothes. That's not jacket size, that's waist size. So bless God, I'm just determined I'm never going to be in the size 42 waist ever again. Okay, if you're a 42 waist, bless you. You might want to look at some, no, you don't. 
I'm telling you, it's been a, a lifelong battle for me from being around 315 pounds when Joel was born. And, and you know, here I am, I'm going between 215 and 220. The only good thing is I know that's mostly water weight. <laughs> Retaining water. <laughs> Blessed are the content. You know, not content is that I sit on the couch, I'm stressing, and I'm sitting instead of doing anything else. I'm not being very diligent, and I'm just packing whatever the, the binge is of the week or the day, if it's potato chips. And nowadays, I'm over the candy thing. Bless God. He did that for me, by the way. He can help you with it, too. He can deliver you from any kind of stuff that you've, you've, you've stuffed yourself with that you've poured into your body. See that? That's major. God did that for me. Blessed are those or who are content. That means satisfied with God. Or, or down, I think I've got a separate line there for you. It says, blessed are the unbusy. Blessed are the unbusy. How many of you are really busy? Let's see. Really busy. What if I gave 20 bucks to the most busy person in the room? How many of you would say you're really busy? What if it was a $100 bill? $100 bill to the most busy person in the whole room. See, it's not really a title we want to have, is it? Even at 100 bucks, because you know something that isn't really healthy about being that busy. You know what I'm saying? When you're so busy and you know you're so busy, you know there's something not right in your life because you lack contentment. And part of the busyness for many of us, you hear me, us, is that somehow it makes me feel better about the time I've wasted by being so busy. So I work harder, not smarter. If I'll be led of the Lord, if I let him, verse 6, guide my paths and direct me, what I'll do is I won't move according to my flesh. I'll move according to the spirit. And then what I'll do is I'll be diligent. See, because there's a promise to those who are diligent. See, when you're faithful with little things, you'll be given much. But if you're not faithful with little, even little things, even what you have gets taken from you and you end up bankrupt. Not just financially, you bankrupt emotionally, bankrupt in your relationships. You end up nothing to show for your life. Well, bless God. Remember verse 1? Blessed are those who are forgiven. Look at this. Verse 11 really tells us the best way to live. Blessed are the innocent and the obedient. Do you see that in the verse? Many of the sorrows, but he who trusts in the Lord, loving kindness shall surround him. Verse 11, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones, and shout for joy, all you who are upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, New Living says. All you who obey him, shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. So in verse 11, blessed are the innocent and the obedient. That's what God's looking for. He's looking for you to be obedient. And when you're obedient, when you do, he says, remember, for those who follow my commands and obey my commands. But if you don't follow my commands in Deuteronomy, remember, I read it right off. It says that you're under a curse. Sometimes our life can be just made that simple. Here's blessing and here's cursing. The, 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 the subtitle under there is blessed are the ones who don't worry and be happy people. Don't worry, be happy. How many of you hate that phrase when somebody tells you because you're stressing and they tell you, don't worry, be happy. 
You know what we do in, in church, in Christian Christianity, you know what we do, don't you? Well, this is the day the Lord has made. I will be rejoice and be glad in it. Count it all joy. Come here. Mm. Yeah, be healed. Blessed are the innocent and the obedient. Blessed are the don't worry, be happy people. Now listen to this passage out of John, and then I got a quote and I'm done. John 14, 27 and 28 says this. Jesus is speaking. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you, I am going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really loved me, you would be happy that I'm going to the Father who is greater than I am. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. I'm giving you peace that the world cannot give. Folks, the quicker we get that lesson into our lives, the better our lives will be lived and you'll find yourself walking in blessing. How many of you are worry warts? Raise your hands if you're a worry wart. You know what a worry wart is. You, you just worry. You worry about worrying. You worry if you're not worrying, as a matter of fact. <laughs> yeah, I'm worried that I'm not worrying like I used to worry, so I'm worried about worrying right now. Pray for me. In writing about worry, Jim Daly, he's the president of Focus on the Family, he says, worry is a passive form of arrogance. He explained, it's believing that you know how things are supposed to turn out. It's taking God's seat for yourself. We don't worry because we fear God's will won't be done. We worry because we're afraid that things won't go our way. If you ever think about that, sometimes I'm at my worst when I take matters into my own hands. <laughs> oh, I'm going to fix this right now. No, no. Peace, be still. See? Don't worry, be happy now. Worship team, come on up and let's do a song to leave. And I want to bless you. I want to bless you that you'll take this, that you'll look at it, that God will show you some things where maybe you're like the stallion that just refuses to be, to be tamed, to be bridled, to, to, to have a saddle on you. You just feel like you're supposed to be the, the freedom freak and you're supposed to be the one who, who doesn't have to do anything traditional. You don't have to follow rules. And you've been leave, living a rebellious life all your life. And in the end, how's that working for you? I got away with it for a long time in my life. But in the end, I come to a place where I was dissatisfied and, and my life was not as fulfilling. And I realize that I'm passing away. And people that I love are passing away. And, and in the end, it's just I'm, I'm going from misery to misery. And it wasn't like I come to the bottom of the barrel kind of thing before I turn my life around. But I remember that somebody told me about investigating God. And when I, I thought about that, I shuddered. Oh, my. But in the end, folks, for those of us, you're sitting here today. You're either here seeking or you're sitting here because you found. And I want to tell you, it's a good place to be and it's a good place to stay. And when you, when next week, when it says, oh, I'm not going back to that church or oh, I don't want to go to church or I gave it a shot. That's just a lie. You stop it and you say, hey, I'm going to let somebody else hold the reins for a little while. I'm going to let somebody else be in charge for a while because guess what? Something, anything's got to be better than this. 
Folks, I'm not leading you to me. I'm not leading you to the greatness of a church here. What I'm doing is it's a greatness of God. It's a matter of what his word declares over us, how we can, we can live a blessed life. So that's what I want you to get. I want you to embrace. I want you to live in light of that. Let's stand. Thank you, Jesus. We celebrate you, Jesus. We thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you, God, that, uh, that it's your kindness that has given us forgiveness. You've purchased us, God, and you, uh, you've redeemed our lives. We thank you, God, that... Um, yeah, we'll do any... There you go. Thank you, Jesus. So, Father, I thank you for those here this morning that they came not knowing what they might get into, that, you know, pray. I pray, God, against confusion, and I pray that the contentment of God is, as, they be, as we're seeking you, that, God, it's your contentment we'll find. God, I pray that everyone, from the least to the greatest, God, that, uh, Lord, we all need um, your word. We need you to guide us and to leave, lead us and love us. We need your forgiveness. We need those mercies which you said are new every morning. It's like a clean slate every day. So, God, with you, I thank you for the clean slate. And I just proclaim that right now over every one of us, God. Every one of us. Clean slate. New opportunities, God, to do life, to do it over. We thank you that you're the Redeemer and that you love us with an everlasting love. Help us, God, this week that as we, uh, as we walk, that God uh, will be a good reflection of you. That people will be drawn to know what is this hope that we have? What is this peace that we have? What is this contentment that we have? So, Lord, we want to lift your name on high this week in our walk. And we bless you, and I thank you for each person here today, God, and ask your profound blessing in their life. In Jesus' name, lift the name.